Hi everybody, we are Matt and Kevin and welcome to Season 2 of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can also find us on social media at Believe in OWL and Believe.com. This week, we talk about the departure of Corey and Stratus, the recent developer update, and leaks for the anniversary event. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast. We're on week 14, halfway through May. Hope you've had a good month so far. Um, I don't know if we consider this good, considering now we have to shelter in place a little bit longer, but I don't know. That, that health and safety, I guess. How's your week been, Kevin? Uh, pretty good. Um, I, I played a lot of Overwatch this weekend. As a matter of fact, I played with uh, played with the team, and apparently there's a small group that wants to do a tournament. I don't know if I want to play in it. I, I don't, I'm not confident in myself for that. Um, but other than that, just pretty much staying inside, staying safe, and making sure I don't, uh, you know, infect the people around me if I ever get it. So, um, how about you, Matt? How are you doing? Um, I'm doing okay, I guess. Uh, we had another match this weekend for uh, my team. We lost again, but we didn't lose that badly. Um, we we took, I think we we got within like one point in the the last. We took two points, um, and we we just couldn't cap the third one for um, two of the maps that we played on because we played best to three, uh, first to three. Um, so we're definitely getting better. We just we finally got I think coaches who are actually like going to stay with the team because whenever we get coaches for our team, they'll like stay for a week and then disappear. So we've we've been playing without a coach for so long, but now I think we have three coaches. So I I guess. The, they're overcompensating for our team to make sure that we actually get some progress now. Um, on Sunday, I also... Was it Sunday? Yeah, it was Sunday. Uh, I guested on a horror podcast, which was fun, because we got to talk about uh, Cabin in the Woods, which is one of my favorite horror movies. It's just... just It's f- so freaking good. It's so funny. It does a, It's a really good takedown of all the tropes that um, are in horror movies. I'm not too big on Joss Whedon, but I will have to... I have to give him props for that movie. And then today I found out that I'm also, I just got accepted to work on another podcast, I guess I'm going to be editing for them. And yeah, so hopefully I can take those skills and and bring them into this podcast too. Yeah. That sounds really, really good. And especially right now, like since we are in quarantine, like we're allowed to do podcasts because we don't have to be, you know, in person and, you know, breathing on each other. We're just allowed to, do this from a distance which is pretty nice honestly it's like one of the one of, it's one of the few industries that really hasn't been affected by having to quarantine and shelter in place that is very true how goes the uh the computer building woes okay so about that uh i got a new motherboard so they did refund my motherboard and replaced it um i'm literally just waiting on thermal paste um i need thermal paste so i could paste my computer fan to my cpu so it doesn't overheat um so i ordered it on amazon and then they said oh yeah it's gonna come it's gonna come soon they said like a week from now and i'm like okay that's fine and then uh they're they're like oh yeah we haven't shipped it yet and i'm like dude it's been like three days (laughs) like i understand it's not like a top priority but like 
at least write it down earlier that I, I'm going to get it later so I don't get my anticipation up whenever somebody rings the doorbell. I'm it's like so a weird dog. how Amazon has changed our expectations for like when things come. Because like 100 years ago, you have to wait like, what, at least a month before you get your packages from like ordering them out of a catalog. Now it's like if you don't get it within two days from Amazon, we're like, where's my package? Yeah, yeah, we start freaking out. It, I feel like it's half of the things of us like knowing we can get it immediately. But at the same time, like, I, I understand, like, this isn't, like, a world-ending crisis. It's not like, yeah. you know, thermal paste is going to be the thing that cures corona. It's just, <laughs> you know, it's just me and my little hobby while I'm cooped up. But other than that, I've been reading uh, a lot of manga. Um, I've been reading Cells at Work, Code Black, which is, like, the darker version of the original one. Oh. Um, so... Cells at work, it's just, it's like an Osmosis Jones of anime where like they talk about like how your body works and functions, but Code Black is willing to like go a little bit into more darker subject matters like, you know, like Smoker's Lung and, you know, oh, like why, why you're losing your hair, uh, stress, how does that play into your body and like diabetes, like it's, it goes deep. And the other ones are like, oh, you caught a cold. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. But <laughs> this one's like, yeah, this is, this is how people have like a stroke. And I'm like, Okay. <laughs> Dude, Osmosis Jones was so good. Yeah, it was solid, honestly. Like they, they had the movie and then they had the TV show for a while, so just I forgot solid. they had the cartoon. Yeah. They need a sequel. They need to they need they're bringing back Space Jam now. They they've got Space Jam 2 in the works, so we need yeah. a, a sequel movie to Osmosis Jones. I wouldn't mind seeing Osmosis Jones get like a Netflix like thing. I, I think that would be like the best way to do it. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of excited for Space Jam. Space Jam was like one of my one of the movies that I watched as a kid. I loved basketball growing up, so just knowing Space Jam is like my childhood. Like I had that soundtrack. Uh, I, I played it till it broke. Like <laughs> you know, it's, it's all there. All right, so shall we get into the news? Yeah, let's dive in. Okay, so let's starting off with another play-by-play with Spice Adams. They're continuing with this. Um, I don't, I don't really know why. Again, why they brought this up or why this is continuing, but it's, I guess, it's here to stay for now. So Spice Adams, former NFL player, and I guess he's a commentator right now. That's what he does. So um, this week, sideshow. Josh Wilkinson decided he's going to have Spice try to commentate. Um, so they were watching one of the uh, one of the first times that Rascal was playing um, Echo for the league. He was playing against the Houston Outlaws, um, and so they're they're just explaining what Echo is, explaining kind of a little bit better about how the game goes. Um, and Spice was actually kind of getting it this week, and then so Sideshow was doing a lot better explaining it with football analogies. And so Spice then takes his turn to commentate, and it's so funny. Have, did you see the video? Uh, I did. I did not see this video. Um, Heike, go but, watch it. Like it's fourteen yeah. minutes. It takes a while to get there, but when Spice finally gets around to it, it's so good because he's in some ways he's getting it right, but also it's just horrendously wrong. Yeah, it, it's. I feel like I would appreciate this even more because I do from that background like being able to cast like certain calls and certain plays is really important but yeah it's really funny because 
I did start with like regular sports commentary. Um, like I did basketball um, and they tried to get me to do. Okay. So for my final for that class, it was basketball, a baseball game, a football game, and then a hockey game. I don't know anything about hockey. Uh, and neither did half the class, but they're just like, you have to, you have to do this. And then they're like, okay. <laughs> um, but honestly, like when I told my teacher, I was like, I want to do esports commentary. He's like, I have no idea what that is. And then I showed it to him and he's like, this is the same, same application of, of stuff. It's just different ways of calling it. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. So the second that you realize that, you know, you're just doing the same thing just for a different game. Um, people are like, oh, okay. That, it, it makes sense. Um, but yeah, I'm really interested to see what Spice Adams, uh, you know, calls here. Um, especially for Overwatch League. This video was a lot better than last week's one because last week was just like a hot mess of Josh not really knowing what he's doing and then Spice just doing his best to humor him. But like he's slowly getting it. Like they're making a lot of analogies to how um, certain plays are in football and it, it makes sense. Like I know very little about football, but I know enough to kind of understand what's going on like getting to um getting to one of the checkpoints in our game is like getting a first down in football you kind of, you reset the mm-hmm. clock and you get to push again so it's it's kind of stuff like that and um so spice and uh sideshow are explicitly saying that this is trying to gear um this, this these videos are geared towards helping traditional sports fans enjoy a whole new sport and yeah this is this is actually really really funny um I think in the way they intend it to be. It's not an ironic, funny thing. But um, I still think it is kind of misguided. I still don't think that um, older fans of traditional sports, or I guess sports, traditional sports fans in general, are going to appreciate esports the same way that we do if we keep just trying to say, hey guys, you should like us because we're just like you. You know? Yeah. I I feel like... Once again, esports is its own thing, and it needs to like breathe its own life in a way. Um, I feel like, yeah, we're trying to at least the Overwatch League is trying to like make it as close to like other sports by having you know like city-based teams and having them based in a certain you know place, and they were gonna have the home stands where you have the home crowds, but. Honestly, I feel like esports has its own realm where it's just like everybody gathers at one place, which is why I feel like Blizzard Arena works so well. It's that same style of, you know, this is where this game is played. You go to Blizzard right. Arena to, to watch the games. Um, it's the same thing as like in, in Dota 2. Like they do have ones where they go to other places, but they go like, okay, so first one is in Singapore this year. Next one is in, um, you know, Copenhagen and then the next one is in Canada like in Montreal or something like that and they'll pick a certain place and then the last one is always called the international which is a big one and everybody wants to be there for Dota is there and it's just like three days of just the most intense like games of all time because not only are they just playing for you know glory and pride they're playing for like one of the biggest prize pools in the, in the world so mm-hmm. um, yeah I do feel like esports builds itself off of the community and knowing that there's a place for it. Um, and I felt like, once again, we lost that once we uh, tried to go to this homestand kind of deal. If we kept yeah. Blizzard Arena, just right there, just plop everybody in there, and we'll be good to go. 
the thing I've noticed is that people tend not to give esports any respect until they hear about like the monetary aspect of like how much people are investing in this and how much the prize pools are and um the fact that like you can go to college on an esports scholarship that's yeah. that's i think that's the only thing that right now is effective at getting people to understand that this is a serious thing it's not trying to um trying to say we're we're a sport too it's the uh you can make money off of this it's the economics of of esports yeah i i totally agree like everybody thought it was an an idiot if we're playing on the esports team and they were like even when overwatch was like in its what second year like i had a lot of fun playing on the team and having everybody there but it wasn't until i told my parents like hey i'm competing for a scholarship today like i'm i'm playing for my school to potentially get more funding for their esports program like that is exactly what you got to do in order to get attention and especially in the collegiate scene it's actually very like difficult for us to do it because in a way we're still a club like some some of them are still right. clubs um and you don't really get funding for that um so the thing that you do the way okay if high schoolers you know colleges take notes this is how you get your money okay um you get your team together you train as hard as you can together uh, make sure that you guys are 100 tight ready to go sign yourself for as many local tournaments as you can um call yourselves by your school's name because you are technically a club of theirs right it's they didn't they didn't get the attention of our school until our overwatch team started getting national attention um by winning tournaments we won like the corsair open we won a ton of razor store tournaments um and all that stuff but if you literally build your name off of either hosting these tournaments like you can be like um usf hosts their own tournaments and they bring everybody in and they're building their esports program that way or you can build it by having a like an amazing team and just going around to places and inevitably or eventually get the attention of like you know the big leagues where they'll start paying attention to college scenes like um during the california cup we had the grand finals of um berkeley versus i believe it was uc davis or uc irvine uh i don't think irvine made it out so it was davis but this squad is really good um i i really appreciate them they're really cool people and berkeley squad i hang out with them all the time um because i'm, I'm originally from berkeley so um i i care for them go bears uh we're we're all chill um, but honestly if you want to make a name for yourself, either run a ton of tournaments or start winning a ton of tournaments. And if you get a lot of people who are behind you and at least promoting your sport, you'll definitely get far. This is kind of running into um, what we're, we're going to talk about. I guess we can move it up in the docket about the Titans and the, um, the, the Justice. But something that I read over the weekend, I don't exactly remember where I read it, but... Um, a thing that traditional sports does have over esports that I don't think esports is ever going to be able to to capture is that some of these sports have been around for a, almost a hundred years or even over a hundred years. Like, I don't think a hundred years from now people are going to be playing uh, Overwatch, but I can still see people playing like golf or or soccer or basketball. Yeah, I definitely had a discussion with a guy um, who 
he runs a newspaper in Hawaii. He invited us all out to uh, USF and we all had a discussion. And I said, one of the reasons that I feel like esports will not have the same longevity as like traditional sports is because of the shelf life of a game. Um, it like people are going to constantly be moving on to the next one. Um, for example, like uh, when there was, you know, just Dota 2 and then League of Legends came out, everybody went to League, right? And now League is the biggest one, but Dota still has its fan base, which is cool. Um, same thing originally what happened with like CSGO. Um, CSGO, then like Rainbow Six Siege came in, people moved to Siege. Some people moved to Overwatch afterwards because it was, you know, the brand new shiny thing. And right now we're, some people are still moving on to Valorant. It's always about the next you know, thing. And every game has its shelf life. That's one thing that I always like push. Like at a certain point, people will either cap out on the game where it's like, this is the ultimate, like we're, we're done here. Like nobody's going to beat this guy or it's going to constantly evolve and change into something like brand new or, or created differently. So for example, like the original Overwatch during like season two, was very weird it was like uh before hero before the one hero per team thing it was two tracers two winstons two zenyatas like that was the team uh and then the you know one hero per per role came in and then we started running like you know a whole bunch of just different ones depending on the map and then we had dive and then we had you know goats and double shield and so on it's a new game it's constantly evolving into something different um but we're at a point right now where they're putting more limits rather than like letting us be free and do what we want to do um so honestly like and there's also talks of overwatch too so that's why we're always like on the decline of like okay well overwatch is eventually going to end we have to wait for overwatch 2 to pick it up so a lot of people are just like what do we fill in fill in with the void like a lot of my friends are saying like, yeah, we're like, I still play Overwatch. I, I play with my friends and whenever we have the time, we, we take a stab at it. Um, but other times we're like, hey, let's go play Siege. Let's go play Valorant. Let's go. Let's go try something different. Let's play golf with friends, like just things like that. Um, it gets like, I, I don't know what the best word is here, but it's like, it's kind of stale. It, like you hit, you hit the same notes every time. Um, but honestly, I do agree. Like we, I do agree that basketball, football, golf, baseball, they're going to live on as long as people still want to keep playing that. Um, and you have to realize that esports is just kind of a quicker way of that. There's not going to be like, okay, well I can't, I can't say that in Dota in Dota. There's like players who are like 32, like the oldest player in, in Dota was old man fear, dude. He was, he was 32 and he was competing at like the highest level and he's crazy good. Like you can't always say that, you know, players are going to retire young. Sometimes it does come down to like just having a big brain and thinking about those plays. Um, but yeah, it, it was kind of insane, but it, it's a trope where you think that esports is just gonna die off because you don't have the, the resources to do it. Um, or you just think that, you know, the game is going to die off in a few years, so why don't we just wait for the next one? We need to kind of make sure that there's something going on in esports, which there is. There's always a game that's being played at some point. 
um which is yeah it, it keeps the game going part of the reason for me at least that i think that traditional sports are are able to survive this long is because it's like it's the elegance in its simplicity like it's the same game that they were playing pretty much when they first started it's just like the performances the teams and and, um the stories the drama that goes along with it it's the representation of the city i think that keeps um that keeps these sports alive whereas opposed to esports like everyone has such a short attention span because it's all about what's the next game what new features does it have it's like what's new what because it's so reliant upon technology rather than the people playing it and the game itself i think that i think that's part of what keeps esports and traditional sports alike and that whole technological factor i think that's going to prevent it from from ever really being able to to capture that that kind of um longevity and grandeur that traditional sports have so broken record i I really think that they need to break away from trying to equivocate traditional sports to esports because it's just never Mm -hmm. going to happen no matter how hard you try yeah the it's its own thing you cannot treat esports the same way that you treat traditional sports like i do agree that it is the simplicity of the game and like it just evolves over time depending on like teams and rules that they keep adding and that's why like inside of a game you have its own lifespan where you have like for example like during before um you know the shack rule where like hack a shack right um like that became a thing because shack was in the game you had you know the the whole you can't step uh inside of a player's like shooting space because they need a proper place to to, to land. Uh, that was that was included later in the game, and it changes the way how players play. Uh, the hand check rule in in basketball. There's a whole bunch of just things that kept it fresh and kept it going. But I also do agree that it is the technological aspect of it as well. Like we love playing our games because it we can play it on the machines that we have. But then what of our what if there's new graphics? What if there's new, like, you know, new keyboard and mouse settings? What if there's a brand new, like, peripheral that changes the game? There's, you know, something that could utilize, like, 244 frames per second or something like that. Everybody's going to be hopping to that. So, yeah, I do agree that, you know, traditional sports are going to live on in the way how they continue to because that's what they do best. Um, and esports is not that. We just have to change that in kind of the public perception here so to kind of pivot off of this topic onto um <clears throat> the uh this is, this is kind of a pivot i guess but the uh the titans finally got their new roster um they signed the second wind contenders team um also as the the washington justice lost some of their star players stratus and Corey, we did actually get to see stratus play one last time this weekend um and this also well, on, on one hand, this brought back the Titans, so they're not completely collapsing. Although, like you said last week, Kevin, like this isn't fixing the problems that they initially had. This is just kind of putting a Band-Aid on it because the problem wasn't the players. The problem was the management. Yes, I totally agree. Um, this doesn't tackle the issue of the management, right? There's a reason why the players left and like the reason why they're not 
continue continuing to compete. I don't think it was just the entire team just said, oh, no, we're done. Like, we're done with Overwatch. I feel like there was a reason why they decided, you know what, we cannot continue to play on this team. Um, and, yeah, it's going to be really, really interesting um, coming into, like, this next form of the Titans. Like, are they good? Are they going to be... Uh, well, we, we know that answer from this weekend, but... Uh, <laughs> They they definitely need a lot more polishing up and getting used to the league, um, but we also need a lot more like how can I describe it? Um, yeah, the the team needs more experience, and I feel like need to tackle the problem of why they left rather than just saying. Obviously, they they need something right now. They need a band aid. Um, but it's not going to fix, you know, the infection. Part of the reason, I don't know if you know anything more about this than what's being um, released, but part of the reason that I have read is that uh, the team left because of how the management was dealing with the the COVID crisis. Like originally they said they're going to have this new facility for them. They're going to have it like all made. COVID obviously threw a wrench in that. And just the living quarters that the teams were originally living in were not up to par. And as soon as they had to move to Korea, they the team did nothing to help them to find um, new living accommodations. They just were completely dropping the ball and like leaving them in the gutter. And now they're not even paying them for. Um, well, I mean, this this goes both ways. They're not paying them for the the rest of their contracts, obviously, because um, they left the team and they they didn't complete their contractual obligation. But um, it's just it's considering how people watch this team because they're the runaway squad it's really not a good look for the management at all this kind of goes in with the the justice losing two of their players that it's showing it to some people it's showing some weakness in the league um and to others it's showing um it's just kind of a sign of life like if you look at one of custer's recent tweets he said really looking forward to seeing new blood in the league so many players who have been around for so long uh, but I've never been given the chance. Player turnover is good for competition. So that's one take of it. Then Monte Cristo comes in and says, this is such an awful take. Turnover is good for competition if it happens naturally because players fall off. It isn't good simply because it happens when top pros retire for another game. There is a reason players who have been around for so long never got a shot. Um, yeah, so the rest of the this uh, exchange between them goes on for a little bit longer then Monte Cristo just shoots himself in the foot with his arguments and compares uh, Custis streams to Sinatra's, which is, it's a bad look. It's just like you lost the argument. It feels like he lost the argument, even though he didn't lose the argument because he's not sticking to facts. He's doing an ad hominem against Custa. Um, so I'm not sure where Monty was going for this when he actually initially brought up a good point. Um, and then there was another tweet that kind of has to do similar with this topic. Let me see if I can find it. Okay, so it's from Bren. Uh, it says, the T2 scene has been quite adamant that they're better than a good portion of OWL and deserve their place over some of the existing teams. This will be a good litmus test. A week in Washington on a 14-map losing streak after two of their players have just retired. Uh, so what are your thoughts on all of this, Kevin? Because I think... I think Custa is being a little bit optimistic for optimistic sake, just because his job is on the line. 
but also like we again we can't compare this to the lifespan of traditional sports because it's not our you start these kids so early you sign them at 16 or 17 or something you keep them on the roster and they're benched for their entire career they retire at what 19 yeah like i feel like 20 25 is probably like the older end of like teammates and team members but i do agree that it is like depending on the team and depending on the um how can i describe it the the players as well determines you know if they turn over or not um i do feel like this is both good and bad um i do agree with costa it is going to be really interesting to see what teams pick up and who they pick up but i do feel like it is also important to state that this is not due to the fact that oh players are just bored of your like they're not good anymore they're just they're not retiring because they they're losing their aim they're getting like um you know carball tunnel or anything they're losing their they're they're losing interest in the game because there's something new and there's something else that's attracting them to something that's more their style um so honestly it's becoming it's kind of a it's a red flag for overwatch for sure because they're they don't want to lose players um but at the same time like getting to see new faces is really refreshing um we get to meet the next next big star next person who's coming up and um even if you consider like oh yeah players are just leaving for the next game whatever um they're giving up their spot to potentially become the best at said game to pursue something that's totally brand new. Like it's just a matter of time. Like I I wouldn't say it's just a matter of time. I would just say like, if something happens to Valorant, like let's say they never get out of beta, like (laughs) what if if they just never release like full Valorant until after (laughs) like overwatch two has been in like, has been released for like a year. Right. Um, then that means like they're stalling on production for a reason they're stalling for some internal reason um but yeah it's kind of the same thing how i looked at um what is it I, i looked at artifact kind of the same way it's like oh yeah it's brand new it's shiny it could be a competitor to hearthstone and then it just went to complete garbage like the developers just stopped messing with the game completely um and i'm like okay well i already got off this bandwagon it's just that way you don't want it to you don't want a game to end because like people got bored of it and just got like completely tired of it um there's a reason why pros are certain pros are leaving mainly dps players if you look at it um it's more cs style it's more their kind of calling um like not gonna lie like Hori came from counter-strike it's kind of his background so having a game that's more like counter-strike kind of appeals to him a little bit more um meanwhile like overwatch really appeals to players who have like heavy game sense like they think of things like insanely like different like you wouldn't bring the same mindset that you play reinhardt with into a game like csgo like you're gonna you're gonna throw a fire strike down this corner you're gonna turn it you're gonna shatter halfway down the map hope that it works 
and then the rest of your team is just going to run in and flood them and then you respawn in like two minutes no um in in like csgo and valorant when you die you're dead like you can't just make a mistake like that um and every everything is important but honestly i'm glad that we have new blood i am i don't think that players are just leaving because of the state of the game i feel like they're leaving because they see something more their style like later down the line um which yeah. does come into you know like valorant is more of a cs game if you're good at like horizontal movement you're good at you know ability management i would say you know valorant is the way to go but overwatch still has its crowd there's a reason why you know there's some friends of mine who will never touch valorant because they love overwatch so much they like like at least me if i'm playing like the way how i play reinhardt diva and you know zarya like my my main three they're all different um compared to like when i play in valorant and there's a whole bunch of just different ways of playing the game so i hope that whatever reason people are leaving the game uh blizzard is willing to tackle that issue and uh get more people back in um but other than that uh good luck to the to the new rosters that are coming in new players um and obviously for Corey and stratus good luck on your content creation good luck on your future endeavors in in valorant or whatever game you guys decide to go for um the overwatch community will be watching uh 100 um you, you know that you brought over your fans uh to that as well so i do have to at least commend the uh, the management for the Titans for taking in a tier two team as opposed to going for the normal route of just signing streamers who already have a following. Although I will say that I probably think this is just out of a necessity than um, any other choice. This was probably their easiest route, um, but I, I will give them props for doing that. Um, and as for Valorant, I, I was reading an article on, what is it? it was on The Verge, and they were talking with Rob Moore, who is the CEO of esports for the Sentinels, who is that new Valorant team. Um, mm-hmm. They're the ones who took Sinatra. Um, and yep. according to him, the reason why people are flocking to Valorant right now is because, like, even though it's it's months away from actual release, it's because it is new. Um, while they're saying that there's no guarantee that it's actually going to succeed as a game, considering that it's from Riot considering how people enjoy it already and it's already got some of those those top names i don't think it is going to fail but for them it's they're coming at this as we want to be some of the first to to be in this game we want to invest now rather than um wait to see if it's profitable because if it starts out and we wait then we we're already behind it, it's eh, it's a risk kind of for them but the way that they're looking at it it's if we're right about this risk then we're going to be set because we're the ones who people are going to associate with the success of this game we're the ones who are going to be setting the pace um and we're the ones who our names are going to be in the headlines so um that's also what i thought even before reading this article i think we talked about it before about how it's a it's a game of of being first in esports. 
that is 100 percent true like i i understand like getting in while it's you know early um another thing is like let's say if a player starts making a lot of like headlines by being on a good team right um their contract is going to get boosted like a lot you have to figure out how much you're going to pay them you might as well get them early while you can and then hope that you build that team well enough um but we've also seen how like depending on the esport and and the company that runs it like blizzard likes to have this um you know city-based thing as we saw with the uh call of duty league as well um but riot is willing to just let teams be themselves like you know cloud nine team liquid um and all that stuff so it really does come down to the company who watches over it and how they're going to tackle the issues do they want to be very involved or do they want to like kind of sit back and let it develop itself do do we know what the release date for valorant is no we don't uh it's still technically in beta um and there is no end date they said okay um from what i heard they want to release it near the end of summer like the official release of it is going to be end of summer um but right now since it is still in beta like people are taking a shot at trying to figure out um you know like bug fixes making sure that the game runs as intended uh, and that it works um before they go into something different so we'll see for sure like it, it's just i hope that they they take it as seriously as they can um and they just don't think oh this hype train is going to be good enough to carry us through they have to like just prove that it does have a future okay so moving on uh we got a new dev update uh i think it was released yesterday yeah it was released yesterday um Mm -hmm. daddy jeff premiered his corona beard which is it's very large and very gray yeah he looks like a slightly younger reinhardt (laughs) he didn't have any fun outfits which i was disappointed I feel like he has to be at Blizzard in order to get that stuff like made. Um, I feel like he should have something in his closet too. Like you right. can just like, like grab something. Bring, like even if we like seeing new outfits, just bring back a favorite. Bring back the the uh, bring back that diva jacket that yeah, everyone. Yeah, the diva loved. jersey. Oh, that was so good. Oh, was yeah, it was the jersey. Bring back the diva jersey. Anyway, so he he talked about a couple of things. Um, the first and most important one being the new competitive open queue. Um, so I didn't actually notice this until it started making the news. Um, in the arcade mode, there's a competitive open queue that's in there right now. Um, it's going to be coming down for a little bit, but what the news is is that it's going to be coming back in mid-June for a shorter uh, competitive season. But after that, in early July, around the same time as season 23 starting, they're going to bring back the competitive open queue as an official competitive game mode. So when you pick competitive, you can pick regular competitive or um, open queue. Um, and so the the thing is, uh, Koreans play this, he said, as the second most popular mode, whereas in North America, the regionality preference is that it's less popular than mystery heroes or workshop which i'm i'm very i I, it's it's weird um the regionality behind uh what people prefer playing in overwatch 
I, I really don't know why that is. Um, I do understand Workshop. Like, in Overwatch, the Overwatch Workshop is insane. Like, I, I played the Thomas the Tank Engine game quite a bit. Uh, there's that one. I, I played Uno. There was... There was an like, Uno? A whole bunch of just, there's an Uno somewhere out there. Uh, yeah, you all just sit around a corner and just hit buttons. But um, there's that, you know, Yeti Hunt, like Monster Hunter, Sekiro, like all that stuff is in there. Um, so Workshop, I understand because it's just a variety of games. Um, but Mystery Hero, I'm like, okay, this, that, is, that is something else. But um, we were going to take a stab at competitive open queue with like a full six stack. We were trying to get everybody in, but um, our queue times were like 15 minutes. But then again, we were playing at like one in the morning. Um, you would expect people to be alive uh, then. But we needed to, we wanted to take a stab at it and see what we can do because most of us are like tank players. We play tank and support, but we don't want to go full goats, obviously, because that's boring. Um, but we were thinking like, yo, what if we just went like old school, like the the quick, fast Hanamura cap? like team again because that's op that's an option you go like mercy baptiste then you go one reinhardt you go symmetra may and bastion you just sit on point as quickly as you can uh wall yourself in they come through the door you just shoot them um and you know later on we're going to be getting into the experimental card but like that's a good team you have that with um, mercy and baptiste just keeping you up you just keep to the next point you just go quick uh that's just how it is um other than that i feel like it, it's just kind of a interesting state that we're in um in terms of like competitive open queue it does bring back a lot of nostalgia but at the same time i can see if newer players are hesitant to go back to that because of the potential ptsd that goats left us with um, like people are just gonna be like, "Oh, I'm just gonna go goats, man. It's just gonna be goats." And like the patches, the patch has changed quite a bit. There's a reason why, you know, Brig isn't played a lot. It's not just because we nerfed her into the ground. It's also because like I still don't think she's great uh, unless she's had that whole entire goats buff and the way how armor worked back then. Can you explain to me what open Q is? Because I didn't actually get to play it and i have not had a chance to look into it okay so open queue means that when you go into competitive you do not queue for dps tank or support you go in and you can switch according to what you want like let's say if i i'm mainly a tank player right um yeah i go in and i queue with my six stack i queue with my team um, instead of us being locked into you know DPS two two supports, we can run the full uh, Chengdu Hunter strat where you just have a ball. You have four DPS and one support. You can do that. You can go three DPS, two tanks, one support. You could go three three supports, one DPS, and two tanks. You can do whatever you want, kinda. Um, and it's not locked into that. So let's say if I wanted to have you know, a team of all supports we can do that. A team of all DPS or all tanks, we have the option to do that. Um, it's just flexible in that mode. And it's interesting that you said your queue time was so long because according to Jeff, like this actually made queue times better. Yeah, you, you would think that like it would be quicker uh, because people are just 
going to hop in and pick whatever they want. Um, but at the same time, I do understand if people are hesitant to, to even take a stab at it um, because it is so freeing in a way that there could be responsibilities. And back in the old Overwatch days before Rolock um, and queuing up for certain roles, um, the main issue that you would run into is like, you would not have a support player. Like, you would get into the game, there'd be, like, four DPS, and, like, there's one poor Mercy who has to keep everybody alive, and they just get yelled at all the time. Um, it, it's just unfortunate for them. And then, you know, DPS are, like, stubborn, and they're like, oh, well, I have the most kills. Well, I have the most objective time. Well, I have the most whatever. <sighs> and you're like, the poor Mercy over here is flying around getting like sniped every two seconds. What are you guys going to do about the widow? And it's like, well, I, I don't know, man. I, I have, I have golds. And I'm like, man, I'm just going to play Moira. Like I'll play Moira for sure. I'll, I'll heal you guys, but you know, you can't complain about heals or, you know, golds and anything. Cause I'm going to have them all at the end of the game. It doesn't matter. Like, um, but yeah, it was, it used to be a nightmare where teams would, literally have no support and you would just lose you would just lose games because you have no support yeah but like if you're going in with a completely like competent team and thinking of the way how they want to play it like Chengdu was enabled back then um with this team it was literally like you would have a widow a farah a mccree and a soldier and then you'd have a meng on his on his ball and then you'd have a mercy like, that was the team. And so Ball would go on the back line. You'd be like, why is there a Ball here? Why is it pushing me all over the place? And you just get knocked out of position. The Widow picks you off. The McCree picks you off. The Soldier has a different random high ground. And then you have to look at the far in the sky who's getting pocketed by the Mercy. Like, it's, it's it was a nightmare. Clown Fiesta. It was Clown Fiesta, but it was brilliant. Because during that time, even if you ran like a 2-2-2, which was kind of the, kind of the basic breakdown, you were flanked by like four different angles and you had no options, <laughs> which was great. Um, it was great to watch because it was entertaining to watch any DPS point of view. Um, and at the same time, like that's what, that's how F Rascal got his name too. Like he would play like a tank for half the match and then just be like, you know what? I'm playing, I'm playing May. And then halfway through, he'll be like, okay, we need a Lucio. I'm playing Lucio. Like you just have, what we would consider flex gods, like people who would play whatever they need to play in order to win the game. Um, and yeah, that, that was how it was back in the day. You would have like diva players switching to May during the last contest. Um, you would have like, you know, just the most random swaps. You would have the, the ultimate, like the sure four ring around the rosy play was done before, before roll Q happened. Because he was, they, they did the whole goats rotation and then he was on brig. So they're like, oh, they're going goats. And then they got up to the high ground. He switched the widow, right? Like that play in itself was only created because we didn't have like roll lock. Um, and you can get creative with it now. You can do the same thing uh, going into this mode. And it kind of brings back a different sense of responsibility. But at the same time, I do understand if you're just like afraid that you're going to get throwers in your game that just won't pick a support and you're just going to sit there, cry a lot and not be able to heal anyone. 
This is when I'm glad that I play with a team now because now I don't I don't have to worry about not getting healed. Exactly. Like when you play as a team, you all understand your responsibilities. But at the same time, like it would be kind of freeing to say, like, hey, I'm having an off game. Does anybody want to take DPS? Like, I'll play support. Like, I've had that happen before where one person's like, dude, I'm not feeling it. Can I have Ryan? And I'm like, all right, dude, I'll I'll take like McCree for this round. Sure, why not? Because sometimes you just need that different mind and perspective in order to just feel fresh in a game. And this might be the way to do it. Okay, so another thing that Jeff talked about was the uh, the new experimental card that's coming in. Now, we haven't seen one of these in a while, um, but this one's going to be focused on balance changes for a lot of different heroes. Um, he didn't talk about everyone who's getting a balance change. He only named a couple. So Bastion's getting a change. Junkrat's getting a change. Um, Ana's getting a healing nerf. Mercy's getting a big buff. Zen's Discord Orb is being reset to 30% instead of 25%. And Moira's getting a lot of changes. It is here, actually. Oh, it's here. Uh, it, it dropped, I believe, a, either last night or the night before. Oh, it's um, Tuesday. Duh. Yeah. Um, I I can bring it up. Don't worry. I, I was checking this out um, a little bit before we started. Um, the changes here, there's nothing that's, like, too extreme. Like, a lot of support players are, like, freaking out a little bit, but... Um, one of them is Ana's Biotic Rifle. Healing is reduced from 75 to 70, so it's less by, like, 5. Um, that means that she just can't spot heal as well as she used to, um, which kind of sucks. Um, she she was really good at just keeping people alive. And then Mercy's healing went up by 5. So instead of it being um, 50, it's 55. The only reason why they did that is because they wanted to make sure... Um, she can stay alive while healing Echo and Farah. And I'm like, dude, she's strong enough as is. Um, Biotic Orb. This is the biggest change, obviously, to Moira. Um, once again, these are all experimental cards. They're not live or anything. Um, Biotic Orb's radius is reduced from 5 meters to 4 meters. So it latches onto you. It has to be closer to latch onto you. And then on top of that, projectile speed is increased. So it goes faster, but at the same time, the the projectile duration is only seven seconds compared to the original 10. Huh. So essentially the ball is zipping around faster, but it has to be closer to you and it only lasts seven seconds. So it's less time that it's out there. Um, and then once again, you, you got the Zen thing, right? Uh, 25% to 30% in terms of damage. Um, then they did stuff to the, the uh, DPS, um, which I know we will uh, hop right into pretty soon. But the support players are kind of on the fence with some of these. Like, the Mercy changes, like, that's fine. That's that's okay, I guess. But the Ana one means that, like, nobody wants to play Ana because she can't heal as quickly as she used to. It doesn't reward, like, high-level Ana play as much as it used to. Um, but honestly, I feel like the Ana change probably won't happen. The Mercy one might. Um, the big number for Mercy is 60 because Tesla Cannon from uh, Winston does 60 per second. So if Mercy heals anything at 60 or above, it literally negates Monkey from being anywhere close to it. And even right now, it just means I'm doing 5 damage per second. That's like nothing. 
DPS line is super weird. There's only changes to Bastion and Junkrat. Um, okay, so uh, Bastion, he got a lot of buffs. Not gonna lie. Uh, sentry configuration speed, like the spread, has been decreased by 10%. And then you need to shoot. Um, there was an X amount of shots where it spread like crazy before it became accurate. Um, it used to be 40 shots, but now, or it used to be 60 shots, and now it's 40. So you only need to, you have less spread. And on top of that, after 40 bullets, you're 100% accurate on, on your bullets from Bastion. Um, and then also self repair. Um, the drain rate has increased by 20%, so it goes by quicker, but the healing per second has been increased from 75 to 90. So you lose lose it quicker, but you heal at the same rate, essentially. Um, so yeah, that's that's a Bastion changes. Um, and then yeah, what what do you think what do you think of those changes? Do you think that that's like a way to get more people to to fight it or do you think that this is just kind of a why why are you doing this i don't know i i still think like as dominating as bastion can be in uh in certain fights i think i still think he can get countered a little bit too easily considering like the storm arrows ponzo just spam uh junkrat uh grenades considering junkrat got a buff as well um i think they're hoping to to bring him out a little bit more and see if people play him and to see if that that changes a lot of of dive or anything um i don't know i still don't think it's enough to make him competitively viable if that's what they're they're testing out yeah i totally agree as well i feel like with the changes to shields bastion's not as good um but i do understand the reason why they want to kind of buff him it's just they they haven't seen him played in a while, so they're like, oh, if we add a buff, maybe he'll, he'll get played a little bit more. And you're like, I still think that it is very, uh, it's very conditional. It's not going to always be like that. So uh, let's let's hope that that works that way. Um, Junkrat got a lot of buffs as well. Um, this is some kind of interesting things uh, they added to him. Um, so frag launcher projectiles maintain. Uh, slightly more velocity on Ricochet, so they bounce faster off of the wall. Uh, they don't kind of like lose speed off the wall. That's concussion like mine. not physics yeah, okay. at all. Yeah, yeah, they they, they just keep going. Um, concussion mine projectile speed um, has increased from twenty to thirty. So yeah, it and um, ricochet distance off of enemy players is greatly reduced. So um, which is the 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 mine one that you put on the ground right um a lot of players were complaining that when you threw it at somebody um it would bounce off of their head and it would just like fly across the map and then by the time you detonate it to do the most amount of damage it doesn't like it won't do the full damage um so essentially if you throw concussion mine at somebody and it hits them it will bounce less off of their bounce off bounce less off of their head um and concussion mine um it just it's thrown slightly faster so john Krat is going to be on basis with that um and then last one uh you know billy mays here but wait there's more um 
the total mayhem bomb was you know his old, uh, the uh how can i describe it the the thing that when you die you know you drop bombs um the detonation time on that is reduced from 1 second to 0.7 seconds and the bomb spread is increased by 50%. So it it kind of spreads out more but you and it needs quicker. So this is the thing that I I see a lot of junkrat players going to be doing now. They're going to be running it. they can literally kamikaze onto a point. You can Drop on top of a bastion, throw a trap on the ground, die instantly, and then your bombs will just go off and kill them. <laughs> See, that's another it's- strat I used to take out bastions. But aside from that, like before this change, like I haven't seen anyone die to the junk rap passive mines in forever. Like that it's passive, a joke. like got no value. Yeah, so they're saying they want to get value out of it. So literally it goes by like slightly faster than a than half a second so it's just like you die and it come it, it explodes out but it also spreads out further so you're doing a little bit more spread damage on that i wonder what like a lot of these experimental cards are going to end up doing for the game because like the last one they pretty much nerfed a lot of the um the the stun durations and like okay, that happened, and then we never heard about it again, which, like, to be fair, that's what exper- Experimental Cart is for. It's just for for what-ifing. But, like, even, even with these changes, like, these are going to change a lot of how the people playing the game are going to have to play just because um, Junkrat's going to be able to go a lot more aggressive. Um, you're going to have to change how you think about healing with the healers. Um, but... It, what does what good does it really do for the game as a whole if these aren't going to be implemented? Yeah, I do agree as well. I feel like like these are okay um, to see how it how it works, but at the same time, I don't want to like put them in and then just not put them into the game, like the official like life client. Um, I feel like some of the changes that were made in at least the maze department in terms of the 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 slow and the stun one was really helpful um but we we know that this is just kind of to test things and see how it goes but i feel like a lot of players are happy with the moira changes not so much the ana or like i guess the mercy changes are okay but like the ana change i feel like it's kind of weird um and zenyatta is just going to become the next like damage booster for free so um it's gonna be it's gonna be rather interesting to see if any of these move on into the live client and if so how will it change the way how the pros play the game i guess it's like we're getting to play the game in alternate universes yeah um yeah that's pretty much all it is it's like we slightly tweak something it's a new game cool uh but at the same time i I don't know i don't i don't know what's what's so good about this um if none of it is really going to be taken into consideration um Um, and so the the last thing that i found was um there was a apparently this got taken down very quickly but on the official overwatch forum um there was a photo that someone posted of it that the anniversary event is coming soon um still hasn't officially been announced when it was um but 
in the the patch notes that were originally posted um before they were taken down it said that we would be oh, let me zoom in um so that this year we're getting some legendary skins like masquerade reaper dragoon mercy red ash and more um participate in weekly anniversary challenges to get uh carbon fiber sigma fleur de lis widowmaker and masked man mccree i know that they've been teasing at this for a while uh considering that we the original skins for the masquerade reaper and like you know all the all the other things here that were was a talon yeah like, comic that they had during like i think it was halloween like two years ago or something like that um so why don't just save it for that uh but at the same time uh it'd be cool to just have like a couple of skins for the anniversary if this is real it's real uh cool if it's not that's fine we just wait until the next one um which is fine i'm hoping um, since they're saying little red ash i'm hoping that's like little red riding hood and then bob is a werewolf yes i would i would totally be down for that uh i think that would be a really sick uh highlight for a skin i know that they had a skin contest a long time ago um and there was a skin for you know ash and bob that i really liked um it was like um like a kimono ash with bob being like a sumo wrestler uh that like you just send out and he charges at you i'm like that that would be sick um but yeah uh, just waiting on you know certain things like that like if they brought back that contest and promised the content creator that their skin would be used i feel like that would be another really cool way to get more people involved in overwatch um and their skin design it's kind of the same thing that uh that dota 2 does they have this thing called the um the treasure trove that they have at the end of every international or during the international where they open up this contest to a whole bunch of like modelers and like 3d designers and they say hey if you create an item and people in the store really like your item in the workshop we will include it into our next uh loot box and every single time that somebody buys that loot box and pulls your skin or if it is like x y or z amount of from the skin or the box right like think each person who worked on it gets like 10 percent of that cut of anything that was purchased for that which is really cool like yeah. in a way you could say like hey i made that skin that skin is really cool and it's in the game um but at the same time you still have that whole thing of saying like it's not only in the game but i'm also making money off of it so if Overwatch is the same thing where they're like, hey, you know what, content creators, if you guys want to write us a skin concept, uh, we will, I don't know, put your name on a map or something like that. Put your name on your favorite map, like in a section or like a pennant or a banner or something like that. Do you have any news you want to share? Uh, Not really i'm just really surprised that you know first of all the titans got a team together really quickly um i i just hope that you know second wind finds them suitable and like they either got their stuff together or they made it work um i feel really sad for the the justice losing both Corey and stratus 
those are really big hits to their DPS line. But if anything, that means that they're allowed to restart, um, find some more players, maybe take some people who are still in like tier two and bring them up. Um, they could get someone who plays a, a Doomfist main. Yeah, I, I I know one who's literally a bench warmer for the Philadelphia Fusion right now. Uh, if you really want him, uh, he, he he's got no stats to prove it, but he's there. Um, but honestly, he's got like, the least number of deaths of of pretty much anyone in the league. Yeah, it's it's an impressive. He's first in that line, but honestly, it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out um, for the Washington Justice because yeah, that that was kind of like their main staying power. Um, we'll see if they get a new mascot player or something like that. Um, or if you know, players start rolling out from other teams, they might have to, you know, pick and choose, sign some people. We, we never know. I just hope that, uh, Washington justice figured that out. It sounded like you said Pikachu instead of pick and choose for a second. And I was very confused. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just take a Pikachu, put it, put it in your Overwatch league team. Easy win, easy mascot confirmed. The, don't sue me nintendo honestly pikachu would like not be out of place in the overwatch universe and would probably have a really sick kit pikachu would just be the same thing as uh as tracer just you know you have blink uh, volt tackle uh double team like is a really solid pikachu and then you know you have skins for it you have the surfer pikachu you got the balloon pikachu you got you know, a lowland Pikachu uh, who's cosplaying as a lowland Raichu. You have a whole bunch of options. I'm not, you know, it would be a really sick crossover if it ever did actually happen, though. Just like, just blend Tracer and Winston's abilities together, throw in a really cool ultimate, and you got a Pikachu. The Tesla cannon is pretty much just like a Pikachu on a stick. So you just whack it on the ground and just hold it next to somebody. <laughs> that's, how you, that's how you get it. Thanks to everyone for tuning into the news section of the podcast. Um, tune into the gameplay section where we'll look at the brand new Titans roster and how teams are coping with getting ready to play in the May tournament. Uh, see you guys next week. Next week, we watch the last games before the mid-season tournament and more Overwatch news. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms and follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. Questions or comments? Please send us an email at believeinowl at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.